Deep in December, it's nice to remember those fires that blew, oh so mellow. Try to remember, and if you remember, then follow. Follow, follow, follow. It's your old chuckle buddy. Guess who? Jonathan James Ramcharan, reporting live for duty on this magnificent September 11th in the year of our Lord, 2020. Welcome and bienvenue to Jonathan Ramcharan, the podcast. Deep in December, it's nice to remember the fires that blew all so mellow in September and then follow. Follow, 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 follow. Try to remember that type of September. September, a tune from the reclaimed, acclaimed, musical The Fantastics. September. That was like a classic musical that used to run on Broadway until September 11th. (laughs) I know a lousy way to make a fucking cheap joke, but you know. We are coming up on the 20th anniversary of the thing, for crying out loud. Many conspiracy theories, many feelings, many thoughts surrounding that. Today is September 11th, 2020. You know, we're on the cusp of the 20-year anniversary. Um, It's strange. Um, The parallel being in this current time of pandemic coronavirus... You know, mask-wearing, fat, slovenly, elderly, you know, predisposed, diseased people running for the hills over an alleged virus disease that's been claiming the the lives of, you know, people in ill repute. It parallels 20, it parallels 9-11 in that Is this all just a social experiment, a hoax, you know? Is this population control? Is this the powers that be disrupting global economies, you know, playing with us, the puppeteers, you know? So, you know, has a lot of parallels with this pandemic. Coronavirus 2020, 9-11, 2001. So as today is 9-11, 2020, God bless all the victims and their families and hopefully that story serves a higher good in coming generations because still a lot of unresolved answers, a lot of backdraft, blowback, collateral damage, um, a lot of, there's a word for it, 
fallout, you know, the dispersing remnants, the waves of conflict that has come with 9-11 and how, you know, a terrorist agenda, a anti-Western lifestyle agenda, disharmony in the Middle East, disharmony in the West, and that fallout, how it has stemmed into like, you know, 2020, almost 20 years removed from the matter. And there's still a lot of things, you know. We are forever changed, you know, in the Western world and undoubtedly throughout the world, the fallout. We live in this era of, you know, hypervigilance, hyper-awareness, anti-terrorism tactics, you know. And that's the parallel that, are we going to see this fallout, the same fallout, the same far-reaching ramifications of coronavirus, pandemic 2020, COVID-19? So, as I joke, and even famously... Um, Gilbert Godfrey, Jafar, Jafar, Gilbert Godfrey, comedian extraordinaire, loudmouth Jew from New York. How's it going, everybody? He had a 9-11 joke that went something like, I don't know how it went. I can't remember off the top of my head. But it was crass and loud and very disrespectful to the New York community in the time of um, woe and mayhem. You know, he made light of the situation just a few weeks after the whole incident occurred. And he was on stage at a roast and he was talking about how New York, this and that, all the people that died, you know, yada, yada, yada. Gilbert Godfrey, amazing comedian extraordinaire, you know, I believe he's a native New Yorker, you know, he did the voice of uh, Iago on Aladdin, Jafar, he was the voice of the Aflac duck, Aflac, 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 he made like a 9-11 joke famously on a roast, uh, It was either a few days or a few weeks. It was very fresh, the wound of 9-11. It was like a few days or a few weeks after 9-11, and he was doing a roast. It was like the roast of, uh, you know, those Comedy Central roasts, I believe, or a Friars Club roast. He was up there doing that, Gilbert Godfrey. He was bombing. So then he goes into a New York joke about 9-11 and how the towers fell down on those Muslims. And everybody was crying and whining. And there was death and destruction and chaos and mayhem and fucking wallpaper flying off the wall and everything was blowing up. <laughs> he was going off the wall. And it was a weird, weird sort of catharsis. Like the fucking harder he pounded at uh, the people the more absurd the whole situation was and 
It was like a cathartic cleanse. It was like a weird sort of belly laugh that spread through the spread through the audience. So, you know, in times of tragedy, a sense of humor is always needed. I would say in the times of time, you know, a sense of humor is always needed. So, you know, that's food for thought, stuff, stuff and things and stuffing to remember. Um, stuff yourself with this information during these trying times. And, you know, God bless all the victims and their families. It was a tragedy. And there's a lot of fallout, far-reaching, you know, situations. And there's a parallel with pandemic 2020. Who knows what this means? Who knows what the cause is, the culprits? But, um... It's food for thought here on September 11th, 2020. Hallelujah. So if you're new to the show, Anthony Ramchand, the podcast, this is a show where I bitch, wine, squawk, cabelli, and kibitz and make fun of, you know, global tragedies in order to um, talk about myself in order to relate to y'all self, y'all the dear listener, y'all the dear viewer. Shared experiences, kindred souls, BFFs forever. I'm on like a FBI watch list now, probably. How dare you be a hack comedian online and make fun of these global issues? You know, 9-11, pandemic, coronavirus, 2020. These are serious things that you should never mock. I ain't got an axe to grind about it, you know? I don't want to, you know, stake a flag in a ground that I don't really give a fuck about. You know, keep it, you know. It's just that a little sense of humor is needed from time to time. That's all I'm saying, you know. You know. And if you are new to the show, Jonathan Ramchand, the podcast, I am an actor extraordinaire. 19 years of service, diploma in theater arts. That's been to the bone, ladies and gentlemen, and damn proud of it. It's hot. Yeah, it's hot. You know, you got that Indian summer, sunny, beautiful day. Trees are still green. It's hot. You know, going to have a little sip of coffee, folks, for all your audiophiles out there. Anyone listening to the show, I'm having a sip of coffee. <sighs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And also, yeah, please do connect with the show. I'm available on iTunes, Spotify. My own website, jonathan-ramcharan.com, and the video version of the show on YouTube. Yes, we have a video version of the show. Coming up, you know, 40 episodes now, 140 episodes, and, you know, going strong, so do connect. But anyway, I'm a fucking actor, right? Hack. And, um, you know, <clears throat> the risk you run as a performer, I've been thinking about. Trolls. <laughs> Who's that clip-clopping in over my bridge? <laughs> you know, trolls. They come out of the woodwork. Um, they attack you for having a point of view, whether it be, you know, okay, I'm a person who, you know, I love life, but I have to laugh at it. Maybe I'll poke a unfeeling joke at a 
serious situation. Maybe I'll make fun of a fat kid. Who knows what will come out of my mouth, right? You know, it's never intended for anything other than entertainment and to laugh at the overall absurdity of life. I'm just as absurd as any idiot that ever lived, you know? I can only make fun of people because I realize how stupid I am as well. You know, we're all complete retards, so I laugh at it. Oh my god! How dare you classify myself as you? I'm not a retard. If you're a retard, you be a retard. But I'm not a retard. I know something. And they get all fucking tense and fucking... Bitch whining and belly aching about things, you know? Trolls. You know, they might lambast you, criticize your material, criticize your point of view, criticize your work. You know, you're a hack, you know? If you were a real actor, I would have seen you on TV. If you were a real actor, you'd know Tom Cruise or whatever, right? Trolls. I've been victim to that at times, you know? mean, unsightful, opinionated comments people might make at me. I've been on the receiving end of that. I remember one time uh, back in the days when, you know, it takes time to gain insight in life, you know? That's a part of the absurdity of it. You can walk through a complete lifetime with your eyes closed and turn up the other end as a complete moron. Or at some point, you can red pill and wake up, you know, and kind of, you know, gain a deeper insight. Or at least an awareness, right? An awareness of the absurdity of it all. So I remember back in my, you know, blue pill days, I would hang out with people that were just as obnoxious and self-centered and egotistical as I was. And they had troll-like mentalities. I remember one time um, I was hanging out with a couple friends. And we were playing a game of charades. 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 You know that game where you like act out little characters, situations, or whatever? It's like a... It's like a... It's like an acting game. Charades. It's like... I'm not even going to go into it. It's so stupid. Suffice to say, it's some little acting game, right? It's like a party game. You know, I act like this. And you have to guess what I am. Oh, you're a fucking dumbass. Correct. You you guessed it. I'm a fucking idiot. Like a little fucking party game. So I'm playing charades with a bunch of these fucking bozos. And I had to act out a world leader. Yeah, that's what the game was, charades. You act out a character. The people have to guess what you are. So I'm ha- I had to act out a world leader. And at the time, Kim Jong-il was still alive. The leader of North Korea. <clears throat> the man who was like threatening nuclear war-, war for close to a decade, maybe even longer. I remember being in college, which was like 2004. Uh, then I graduated 2006 and I remember even back in 06, there was like rumors that Kim Jong-il, nuclear war, nuclear holocaust. Oh my God, he's threatening the world. Kim Jong-il. How did you not know? How did you not hear of Kim Jong-il? Right? So I had to act out a world leader in the game of, of, uh, charades. 
So then, you know, you go, okay, and you can't talk, right? So I'm like, okay. They're like, okay, world leader. Okay, three letters. Three words. Last word. I pretended like I was throwing up. And everybody's guessing. They're like, sick? Are you sick? I'm like, they're like, okay, um, queasy? Are you queasy? So I'm basically trying to get them to, to clue in that ill, the last word of the three-word name is ill, right? But they're saying queasy, tummy ache, belly ache. Uh, I don't know, tummy ache? They're like guessing all this stupid fu- I'm like, like, I'm trying to get them to guess that it's ill. Time's up. They're like, what the fuck were you doing? I'm like, ill, ill. Like, how? And they're like, oh, what kind of actor are you? I'm like, and I, I remember I was like, I, I, I got tense, right? I almost kicked one of the dudes, right? Like, I almost kicked the guy. I, I kind of squared up like a karate kick. I was high too, by the way. I was drunk and high, so I was a little bit testy or something, or a little bit ramped up. But I, I almost did like a karate kick on the motherfucker. Like, you know, you threaten my acting, you criticize my acting. You're too stupid to guess. Like, if some, like, does any of this make sense? <laughs> Maybe I just proved their point, my rambling point of what a hack I am. But I mean, if you know what I'm talking about, and if you know the game charades. And if you know that, okay, I'm acting out a world leader. Okay, in three words. The third word. Okay, you're throwing up. You're queasy. You got a tummy ache. You got a belly ache. I don't know. Um, you're sick. Okay, sick. Um, nauseous. <laughs> nauseous. Uh, what other word is synonymous with nauseous? Uh, I don't know. Ill? And if it's the third word, uh, uh, ill. Oh yeah, Kim Jong-il, the nuclear fucking warmonger. It was a fucking bonehead bozo layup. These idiots should have known better. Yet I'm a fucking hack, right? And that's what a troll is. A fucking person who's too dumb and fucking and um, insightful in their own life. Too dumb and uninsightful in their life. And then they, they, project, they project it on others. <laughs> and um, what partially got me thinking about trolls is, you know, like I said, I've, I've encountered people that, you know... In my blue pill, in my blue pill asleep days, where it's like I would just hang out with people that were mean-spirited and obnoxious and self-absorbed, much like myself at that time. And I didn't realize how useless they were to me as just trying to develop my character as a good person, as a spiritual person, how useless they were to me to, to be around. You need to be around people that feed your soul. And also can help you build in life. I mean, what's the point of being around a bunch of bozo trolls that got nothing going for them, right?
So what brings this to mind is, yeah, of course, I've, I've dealt with some of that meanness, some of that smugness. But also, um, I've, been, I've been watching some, uh, some content online on YouTube. And there's a few different shows that I follow on YouTube. And these are very successful YouTubers. One, one of these people had like 2 million followers. That's a mega successful channel. They had like 2 million followers on YouTube. Another one of these performers or content producers, they had like 100,000 followers, more like 86,000. They had like 86,000 followers. That too, that too is very successful. So it's like these people with all this success and I enjoy their content. Some of it's like wildlife content. You know, little fucking, you know, birds and shit like that and squirrels. You know, I like cute things, you know, to watch. And then another one of their channels, another person, their channel was like music. Music theory, music breakdown, instruments and stuff like that. But they started talking about trolls and how they've been getting trolled online and da 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 da. And you you saw this real damaged spirit come through them you know they were very like they were like whining like grown men both of these men were like i would say late one of them i know was in his 60s he's like in his 60s another dude was like late 50s grown-ass men just whining bitching whining and belly aching you know to all my followers and viewers if you're gonna troll me then me 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 like whining about it right i'm like you know it really kind of turned me off from their channel to be honest like i'll i'll still watch content from time to time but there's something real kind of something that's a kind of a turn off to a person who like it's like do unto others as you will do unto yourself You know, you don't want to retaliate in hate. Hate's never the answer. You know what I mean? So it's like somebody is rude to you and trolling you. You turn you turn into a troll yourself when you start. You know, I'm going to make a video ranting about trolls. You know, fuck trolls. You know, do you even know how hard it is to be an actor? Do you even know what I go through as an actor? Jonathan Ramchand, Jonathan Ramchand, the podcast. I have to get on here and be entertaining. I have to set up the camera, the lights, the backdrop. I have to edit this. And I have to come up with content and my ideas. And you have no idea what it's like to be an actor and how challenging it is. And da, da, da. like, imagine if I did that. It's pretty unattractive, right? It's kind of a turnoff. And like, that's what these dudes were doing. They're like, you know, I've been getting trolled online. And if you, if you don't like my channel, then watch a different channel. And this is what's been happening to me. It's like, you're a grown ass man. Grow up, you know, understand that, hey, people do that because they have a spiritual malady. They have some sort of problem. They have no peace within. So they try to project their anger onto others. And there's no point in even dealing with a person like that. It doesn't matter. You know, you are a middle-aged man. You should just grow up and deal with it. And you have so much to be thankful for. Like I said, these two people, these two people that I've been talking about, they have like, one of them has 86,000 followers. The other has over 2 million. 
you are doing very well. You should just focus on that. So, you know, it's just kind of interesting because I was like, it's a very interesting aspect of trolling. It's like, okay, the, the troll the troll is obviously a degenerate, low-life, despicable person spreading evil and wickedness. You know, a troll is a pretty pathetic person. For crying out loud, they live under a bridge. Who's that clip-clopping in over my bridge? You know, they live under a bridge, you know, They're just a low-life degenerate, you know lousy, rotten, crummy, washed-up, has-been hack living under a bridge somewhere. So, like, you know, they're pathetic. But then a person who gets triggered, a person who is moved to um, anger by a troll, it's almost like they're taking on a part of the troll's persona. How dare you criticize me and talk shit about me? I'm gonna fucking make a video to say fuck trolls and da-da-da-da. It's like... Calm down. And I guess the bigger picture is like in life. When we are trolled, when we are met with aggression, when we are met with negativity and and condescension and anger, fear, anger, aggression. These are tenements of the dark side, you know? You got to take on that inner Yoda. You got to channel that inner Yoda. You know, you got to pop your ears out and shrink down to a fucking two-foot-tall green alien and grow a pair of tits and or balls or whatever, whatever um, you find fitting for you and step to these challenges. You know, it's very interesting. It's very interesting because it's like, I, I understand the frustration of um, unfair criticism and meanness and getting bullied, I understand that because it's like, as I mentioned, whatever you do in life, especially in a creative field, you are subjected to a lot of criticism and a lot of unfairness. And I understand that frustration. I, I've been met with a lot of it myself. And there were times when, you know, I felt very much the same way. I get angry, fly off the handle. But today, it's like, I cannot sink to the level of a troll. <laughs> you know? Especially if it's on something that I know, that I know what I'm talking about. It's like, there's a lot in this universe that I don't know about. But when it comes to planet Earth and performing as an actor, I know a lot and I have experience and I can talk to the cows come home about it in great depth and detail you know I have a lot to learn I have a lot to go you know I have a long way to go I got a lot to learn but I also have a lot of experience and know-how it's evident it's evident on this episode you know right now it's evident and it's like I could talk with anybody like I mean I have the humility to know that, yeah, I got I got a long ways to go, but it's like, that's the confidence of my know-how. I could sit down and talk about performing as an actor with anybody in the industry and have a real conversation, you know? I couldn't sit down with a plumber or like a, 
like a, like a, what do they call it? Like a, like a subcontractor or like a, a building, a project manager, you know, a project manager is somebody who oversees and manages the building phase of a building from ground up a project manager. They have to know everything about electrical, plumbing, uh, infrastructure, carpentry, um, and then the management, the management of all these departments, organizing the cleaning, organizing the clients, business relations, economy, you know, economic factors, materials, supply and demand. A project manager has to know a, a lot, an awful lot, in order to be successful and to manage the project, a project manager. I couldn't sit down and have any real, I mean, I could talk with them for a bit. I have some experience as like a site cleaner. I understand the role cleaning up a construction site and how that helps things to run smoothly. You know, it's like an aesthetic value. It's like a organizational value to the project. I can speak like that, but I can't really speak in depth on the different trades, the economy, dealing with clients. Like it's a big, it's a big scope of reference, a project manager. And, you know, a person who can do that is very valuable and they have a lot to offer, right? So conversely, as an actor, I could sit down and talk. What do you want to know? What do you want to know about it? I can answer any question, talk about it in depth, and, you know, achieve some pretty good results um, in a performing situation. And I have to know that and um, have faith and confidence in that versus, oh my God, I got trolled. Oh, some nameless idiot on the internet doesn't like my content <laughs> and cry, bitch, and whine, bellyache about it. And how it's relatable to everyday life. We can't be triggered by the, the, the thoughtless, careless words of a moron, of anyone who talks from that, from that place, from that mindset of fear, anger, and aggression. Hallelujah. So there you have it, folks. Jonathan Ramcharan, actor extraordinaire. I am also a stand-up comedian extraordinaire, 11 plus years of service. <clears throat> a little sip of coffee, get the blood flowing, <clears throat> get the jokes flowing. Um, <clears throat> I've been thinking, uh, as I spoke there, there is a lot that I know about um, performing as an actor and a confidence that I have in it. And uh, as a stand-up comedian, I have to admit, right now, um, I'm a bit pensive, a bit pensive in deep thought and consideration of the future. Um, right now, stand-up comedy is a tough sell, a tough industry, COVID-19. A lot of different industries are feeling that crunch. And uh, God bless all the essential workers. Um, 
and God bless us all as we strive forward. Unfortunately, stand-up comedy is one of those industries where, you know, it's very hard hit. Even like uh, the top of the chain, the top of the food chain, even the stars of our industry, they're feeling that crunch. So, yeah, it ain't nothing to sweat. There's no, there's no need to fear about it. But as I, as I conceptualize my path forward, I have to admit, it is with some apprehension. It is with some pensiveness. And, um, but to be pensive is actually quite a good thing. The definition, I think, being just, you know, in deep thought. So I'm in thought about it, you know. I do what I can. I keep up the writing. I keep up the podcast. You know, JR the P, Jonathan Ramtran the podcast. This helps me, you know, stay comical. As comical as I can during these times. And, you know... Interested, interested and hopeful for the future, you know? Um, And all I can say for now is um, it is a day-by-day basis, you know? That's the best way to look at it, to be honest. As cliche as that sounds, it's day-by-day. Because on the last episode, I had a lot of insights and a lot of fodder and a lot of different things to speak on in regards to stand-up comedy. And here we are just a measly seven days later, like about a week later. And now it's like, I'm like a blank slate. You know, it's like, I don't know what to say. So it like changes by day to day. And I think that's something to remember during these times. It changes from day to day. And we just got to stay in the pocket. Stay on track. Because like, you know, today's uncertainty can be tomorrow's realization. You know? And um, there's hope in that. Hallelujah. So there you have it, folks. Janet Ramcharan, stand-up comedian extraordinaire. Yeah. So that's what I'm rocking with right now. Um, what's going on in my world, September 11th, 2020. Oh, uh, COVID-19. <clears throat> It's been a minute since I really spoke on it in any depth or any kind of news article fashion. Well, maybe not so much, maybe just a couple weeks, but a little bit of, um, a little bit of, uh, I don't know, insight. Eh, that's not the word, a little bit of news, let's say, in regards to that. So this is an article from ctvnews.ca ctvnews.ca this is an article this was like from earlier in the week toronto which i hail out of a toronto ontario forced to pause reopening plan for four weeks as covid19 cases spike ontario is pausing any further steps in its reopening plan as daily covid19 cases uh Daily COVID-19 case counts continue to spike in the province. Health Minister Christine Elliott, Billy Elliott, Billy Elliott, <clears throat> Health Minister Christine Elliott, 
made the announcement on Tuesday saying that the latest trend in numbers have raised some concern, especially as we begin to reopen schools and post-secondary institutions. Thank God, you know. Remember going back to school when you were a kid? Didn't that fucking blow? Elliot said that based on advice from Chief Medical Officer of Health, Dr. David Williams, and the Public Health Measures Table, Ontario will take a pause of four weeks before the province considers any further loosening of public health measures or further reopening of businesses, facilities, or organizations. We did not make this decision lightly, Elliot said. We are really concentrating on getting all of our students back to school safely and having them remain healthy, but the reality is that the spread in the community will also likely mean spread in the schools. So we need to limit the spread in the community as much as possible. I don't know. It's a bit much, isn't it? You know, like, doesn't it only affect, like, fat, sick people and old people? Like, God bless them, God love them. But, you know, if you're overly weight, obese, and, you know, and you don't take care of yourself, and you know that you're more susceptible to it, that's kind of on you. And if you're elderly, God bless you. God willing, one day I will be elderly. And when that time comes, it's just a fact of life. You are weaker and more susceptible to, you know, sickness. And it's unfortunate, but it is also just a reality that, you know, doesn't have to strike fear into the lives of every person on earth. I mean, just because you're fucking pushing 80 doesn't mean I should be locked up in a basement somewhere for the rest of my life, you know? COVID-19! You know? I'm sorry, Grandma, but, you know, if you really loved me, you would just die. Kidding, she's already dead. Okay. We want to keep the community transmission very low so that we won't get... Sorry. So that we won't get into our schools. So our children will be safe, she said. The province recorded 375 new COVID-19 cases over the previous two days. The 190 new infections logged on Monday and 185 recorded on Tuesday marked the highest number of new cases since July 24th. So basically put, uh, Toronto has postponed reopening of various organizations for another four weeks, according to the article. Now that doesn't mean anything has been shut down. It's just that progression forward has been slowed. I don't know. I'm all for um, precautions, safety measures, accountability, but... Uh, hey, there's something awfully squooey going on around here. Uh, there's something awfully squooey going on around here, like my man Elmer Fudd said, you know? To harken back to the opening of the show, there's a parallel between, maybe not literally, but in theory. There's like a parallel between 9-11, September 11th, attacks on the World Trade Center. There's a parallel, maybe not literally, but in theory, a parallel between September 11th and COVID-19. What does it mean? Is it fear-mongering? Is it a population control issue? Is it to garner control over the masses? You know, September 11th, all of a sudden, 
Security, security, security. Cameras everywhere. Poking into your private life. Going through your knapsack. You know? Airports. TSA. Is that what it is? TSA? You know, all these different restrictions placed upon us in the name of anti-terrorism. Same thing going on here with uh, COVID-19. You know? What about the munchkins? You know, all the babies, all the children, all the little youngsters around the world playing hopscotch. Yo, big baby Jesus, I can't wait, nigga, fuck that. I can't wait. Big baby Jesus, I can't wait, nigga, fuck that. I can't wait. I want to give a shout out to, uh, you know, all the babies, all the children, all the munchkins around the world playing hopscotch. All the school teachers, you know, big baby Jesus. I want to give a shout out to, uh, the Wu-Tang. I want to give a shout out to, uh, uh... Myself, big baby Jesus, I can't wait, nigga, fuck that, I can't wait. Big baby Jesus, I can't wait, nigga, fuck that, I can't wait. Wu-Tang, old dirty bastard, you know? What about all the babies, all the children, all the munchkins, you know, all the munchkins around the world playing hopscotch, you know, what about the munchkins, you know? Didn't it just break your heart? It's back to school time, you know? Don't you remember the joy of, like, as much as you hated school, it was pretty cool to get a new backpack, you know, a pack sack? You know, you little munchkins, you know, skipping down the street with their, like, you know, Sp- SpongeBob SquarePants fucking knapsack, you know, cute as a button. The damn thing's about the same size as them. You know, they're all excited for the first day of kindergarten. They ain't going to learn a damn thing. You know how students are, you know, you know how teachers are. They're idiots. But, you know, still, they're skipping down the street, fucking happy as a clam, you know, SpongeBob SquarePants, back sack, pack sack, you know, cute as a button. You know, what about the munchkins? What about the little babies and children around the world? They're being deprived of like a normal experience. You know what I mean? And how far do these tentacles really reach? What is this all really about? You know what I mean? It's like control. You know, it ain't no damn secret. Whatever side of the fence you sit on, it ain't no secret that there was a polarizing effect when Donald Trump took office. Wherever you sit on that issue, the United States is a player in the world. Their economy affects the global economy. Their economy affects the Canadian economy. In the infancy or the first couple years of, or I don't even know when, but there was, um, I don't know how the matter sits, but... In the time of his presidency, Trump, uh, you know, he had placed, um, what was it, sanctions? Not sanctions, but whatever the political punditry word is, tariffs on Canadian lumber, Canadian steel, Canadian agriculture. And that was a real riff, you know? Actually, no, that's a little bit backwards. Well, actually, no, that's, I don't know what it was, but basically... The U.S. wasn't taking Canadian steel and lumber because we weren't trading with them in terms of, you know, agriculture. Like we were using our own dairy and agriculture and whatever. Wherever you sit on that matter, that's how far their economy reaches. It affects Canada. It affects the global economy. You know, we know that they were in deep with like uh, China and we know that there's a political agenda, Democrats versus Republicans. And, you know, 
Don't take no damn genius. Uh, hey, there's something awfully squooey going on around here. Uh, you know, like, they don't know, take no fucking genius to, like, look at this picture and be like, yo, is this all about, like, whether it be China, the Democratic Party, whether it be the Republican Party, whatever. Isn't, isn't it obvious that there are some puppetry strings in motion here? You know, an agenda of fear and control, you know? So more, um, some more news articles in general. I mean, it's all just kind of, I don't even really want to read them. I plan to read some of them, but I mean, it's all pretty much still in the air. Who knows what the fuck's going on? We don't know. We're like sitting, well, maybe we're not like sitting ducks. Like, I don't feel like there's any, I feel like things are gradually reopening. I think people are talking more. I think more information and opinions are coming out, more of a dialogue, but we're still kind of in the dark about a lot of this. I mean, basically, Trump's and, and Democrats at war, you know, Trump demanding an apology from Joe Biden, calling him stupid. Apparently, Joe Biden, uh, ex-vice president, current Democratic candidate for the presidency, 2021, 2020, I guess. Joe Biden, I guess he called Trump stupid. Or wait, doesn't even really matter. It's all just a bunch of fake news, okay? Witch hunt, drink plenty of bleach, get plenty of sunlight, okay? Loser. Uh, Trump demands an apology from Biden for some fucking reason. I don't know. I'm not going to get into it. China shows off COVID-19 vaccinations for the first time. China apparently has developed some vaccines. But then again... Russia, a few weeks a few weeks back, a couple weeks ago, Russia claimed to have vaccines as well. So it's like, you know, this is all very remnant, what I said from the get-go, and what news articles are now saying, news outlets, it's all very reminiscent, remnant, reminiscing of um, the space race, you know? Russia is calling their vaccination Sputnik V, Sputnik V. I don't know what China's calling theirs, you know. <clears throat> Huawei <clears throat> technology, Huawei technology vaccination. I don't know what they're calling theirs. But it's all very much a politicizing of a virus, disease, a global pandemic. We're starting to see that the powers that be are playing games. It's like... If everybody's hooting and hollering and crying for a vaccination, why can't we all just get on board with this? Why can't we all just come to some sense of collectiveness and move forward? Share the information, you know, share the cure. Harmonize over a global pandemic. If it's a global pandemic, then why are we acting so separate about it? I thought we were all in this together. So, I guess that's where I'm sitting today, September 11th, 2020. It's like, I think that due diligence, accountability must be taken as always. You know, don't fucking poke a bear 
You know, you might as well wear a mask, wash your hands, social distance. You know, people do get it. It can be deadly. But then again, the information is the same. It affects people in ill health, elderly, and, um, you know, obese people, unfortunately. And that should give you a little bit of... Um, a little bit of a drive to, um, you know, reconnect with your health if you're one of those people, if you're one of those affected groups, you know? And, um, you know, we do our best, we take precautions, but I think, I think this is all coming, I think we're getting closer to a general reopening, and I think an answer, I think, I think, Something is about to be revealed at some point because it does just feel like a game. It really does. Hit me up, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. Do you have like any opinion on this? Do you feel a certain way about this? Hit me up, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. Yes, indeedy. Step a coffee. Yeah. And, you know, something kind of interesting in these times of pandemic, coronavirus, COVID-19, in this time of pandemic, um, <laughs> the job market, the economy. Um, as I mentioned, I am an actor. I am a stand-up comedian. And um, the pursuit of that can be very precarious. There's times in which, you know, you're making a little scratch you know, things are clicking. Then there's times where, you know, not so hot, you know, so, and especially during a pandemic, you know. So, you know, um, I had recently quit my job. I was working as a janitor, as an essential worker in the height of pandemic 2020. Quit that job, you know, and um, I recently bounced back. I have a new job, um, you know, I got a new job, part-time basis, with a, a leader, a leader in logistics and, uh, you know, uh, global delivery, basically, right? So an essential worker back in action. Um, and, you know, I'm blessed for that. And, you know, it's kind of funny during these times, like, um, as I strive forward in my career, um, I'm doing this job, taking this job, and I'm starting to see that I think what a lot of people are seeing with like the classification of, you know, essential, non-essential jobs, we're starting to see that a lot of what is deemed essential, what is it deemed non-essential, what is deemed worthy and unworthy, it's really a game of like human ego, arrogance, and like a hierarchy, you know? It's like... You know, all these essential workers, the people that go unheard of, you know, the the cashiers, the transportation people, you know, like uh, cleaners, janitorial services, um, personal support workers, care workers, nurses, um, doctors, healthcare industry, all these people that, you know, in a wide range of pay but are often undervalued, we're starting to see like the essential nature of their services, you know, what actually keeps an economy going. And we're starting to see that 
you know, what a game that we play on one another. You know what I mean? Because, like, I've always worked, you know, sort of laboring entry-level types of jobs. What they did was they kept a paycheck in my back pocket as I pursued my higher calling, my higher goals as, you know, a performer, actor, comedian. So while I'm doing those stupid little jobs, I'm grateful for them. They, they pay the bills. They keep the fucking uh, peanuts on the table. You know, I like peanuts. You know, I eat peanuts. I eat, uh, you know, sushi. You know, keeps the fucking, you know, granola bars in the cupboard. I'd be doing that. And what I started to realize is like, there's such a game of control. Essential, non-essential. For example, when I was working as a temporary laborer, the contract was basically like, I'm a subcontractor, more or less. I'm, I'm, I'm an, I hired through an agency. They subcontract me to go to a site to do some work, whatever the services be. May it be laboring, may it be custodial, whatever. So in that contract where it's like I'm subcontracted, I go and I do the work, the essential work, and everybody smiles. Everybody's happy. Thank God. Thank God you came to do this work that we needed you to do. A lot of times people come and they don't do a good job. Thank you, Jonathan, for coming and doing the work. You know, that's generally how I do it. I go and I do the job. Good attitude. Make sure it's done. That way, they're happy. I have a paycheck, and I can continue to do that job. It's very fair, right? But then I've been in positions where it's a different contract. It's the same job. It's the same type of laboring, custodial, essential, worker type of job. It's the same job, but a different contract. Instead of being subcontracted where it's like, I'm hired by an agency. The agency sends me to a site And then the site, the company, deals with my agency. They don't deal with me particularly. They deal with my agency. So here we have a different contract where it's like, I actually work at that site. I'm employed by that company. And as their employee, I'm doing the same type of work. The same type of work as I mentioned in my subcontracted work as a temporary laborer it's the same work but a different contract they have a little bit more control and i'm doing the same type of work but then all of a sudden there always comes a day there comes a time when somebody in head office or some manager on the floor or some fucking penis wrinkle with a fucking you know screwdriver up his butt you know all of a sudden He's going to insert himself and exert himself. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to lord over you. I'm going to talk at you, you know, because da-da-da-da-da. The condescension, the micromanagement of the essential worker being taken advantage of. You know, it's, it's hilarious. What I'm saying is basically... This pandemic, I hope, is opening people's eyes 
to the nature of what we have created in society. There's so many lies. You know, you look down upon a cashier for being some person who whatever. Oh, look at this cashier. He or she is just some uneducated person who runs a till in some grocery store somewhere. Oh, look at that dirty janitor. He's an underachiever. He, if he would have worked harder, then he would have been somebody in life. Oh, look at this nurse. Look at this uh, personal support worker. Look at this doctor. You know, they're here to support what I need and they're here to work for me and blah, blah, blah. All of a sudden, eh, 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 pandemic, pandemic, eh, COVID-19. Eh. All of a sudden, oh my God, you're essential. We need you. We need you. You know, it's, I think it's opening people's eyes to what is actually needed and unneeded in society. And, you know, how we could have such a better world if people just took that ego and arrogance out of the matter. You know, I've never had a job that really bothered me. I've done all sorts of work. I've plunged toilets. I've plunged toilets. I've swept parking lots. Um, I've been a construction laborer. I've been like a retail store salesperson. I've worked on phones as a telemarketer. I've uh, dug ditches as a construction laborer. I've uh, thrown out garbage, cleaned garbages, washed dishes as a dishwasher. You know, I've done all that shit in my pursuit to be like, you know, a performer, a stand-up comedian, an actor. I've done all that shit with a smile on my face. I've never hated any job. It's always been the people. The person, societal outlooks that bothered me, you know, somebody with a fucking ego trip wanting to come in and bother me and talk at me was just like, why don't you just shut up and let me do my job? What are you fucking running your mouth at? Why are you condescending me? Why does your sense of self-importance have to do with me being disrespected? And in a general sense, how we treat people. You ever be like at a grocery store and you're watching somebody just yelling at a cashier and it's like, you would never walk into a bank and talk like that because you know you'd be thrown out. You're a fucking bully, you're a coward, you're a pathetic person and the way in which you find a sense of purpose and meaning in your life is to talk down to others. You are a shell. You are a complete coward. You are a small, pathetic person. If you need to talk to other people in that way, in that manner. And I think we're seeing, I think like the veil is being dropped, hopefully. And we're starting to see people for people. I hope that's what one of the major lasting byproducts of this whole COVID-19 situation is. I hope that one of the lasting byproducts can be, we can start to see people for people. And... Not as like a means to an end or a way in which to judge in order to make myself or yourself feel a certain way, you know? And, you know, I'm just happy today that, you know, I'm back at work, back at action. And the great thing about this new position, for any of y'all who've been listening 
and are aware of my journey. Um, one of the good things about this new position is that I'm actually taking less hours, which is going to free me up to um, pursue my overall goals as a performer. Because, you know, prior to pandemic, uh, 2019, that year, 2019, it was very much like a growth phase. I was, you know, trying to produce my own shows, my own stand-up comedy shows. That took money out of my own pocket. That took a lot of time and effort out of my own personal resource. So my focus was like, it was more like self-production. So I had to get that money, working full-time, flipping that money into like producing shows. And, you know, I had some ups and downs doing that. And that was a lot of work and a lot of focus. Shifting into 2020, pandemic, you know, things have been kind of chaotic. But post-pandemic, my goal is to, you know, you know, work less in my day job and hustle more in like the open market. Try to get work as an actor, try to book work as an actor, as a comic. And um, that's going to be the focus forward, you know, whereas, you know, 2019, it was more of like, uh, it was more like all hands on deck. I got to make money and produce shows. I was kind of in a very closed circuit. The loop was kind of closed. It was just basically me trying to produce. Now I want to, you know, keep on my producer angle, keep on the producer tip, but I also want to open myself to connecting more with others and working more with others, you know? So I look forward to that. And, um, you know, I feel like this new job is going to bring me closer to that because it's like limited hours from the get-go. Um, well, limited hours by my own choice. There's opportunity to work more if I want to. But um, they told us from the get-go, they got a lot of people that are, you know, studying, hustling, doing their own thing. So it's like, hey, you know, Pretty much get in, get out, go do your shift, go and do whatever you need to do. Like, they're not up your ass about things, seemingly. So I'm pretty excited for that. And, um, you know, that's some of the blessing moving forward. And um, as always, many things to come on JR the P. And I extend that. I extend that out to you folks. Um, anybody out there, um, keep hope, keep hustling. You know, hallelujah. It's your old chuckle buddy. Guess who? Jonathan James Ramtran. Reporting live for duty on this magnificent September 11th in the year of our Lord, 2020. Yo, parallels. September 11th, COVID-19, conspiracy. What does this mean? Are we being controlled as a global population? Do the powers that be have an interest in controlling us? Post-pandemic work life, what's it looking like, you know? What's the opportunity? What's the blessing? What's the, what's, yo, what's the deal? What's going on? Working post-pandemic. Hit me up, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com, questions, queries, or qualms. You can hit me up on my website, jonathan-ramtran.com. Connect with me on iTunes, Spotify. And if you're liking the show, help my black ass out for crying out loud, you know? Help my black ass out. 
share me with a friend. Till next time, folks. You live it, you love it, you realize it. Ahight. Peace.